this idea that the person that makes the money, their needs are important. And if you, what does that mean? That means if the person that makes more money, their needs are more important. Is that the determining factor of a person's worth? Mm. This is huge. And, you know, like you said, you learn this in your Indian culture, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's in so many cultures. Yes. Hi there. My name is Tessa Lynn Auburn. Welcome to Say Yes to Your Soul. This is where we're going to talk about how you can get past your spiritual plateaus, raise your feminine energy, and express your true self with sparkle. Hello there, lovelies. I have a really sophisticated, sweet woman here for you to meet today. Her name is Kavita Melwani, and she is a spiritual success and business coach, highly sensitive woman, and an empath. And I know a lot of you can relate to those things. She is also a mother to two beautiful teenage boys. Kavita is a first-generation American and a serial entrepreneur who's owned and operated a variety of businesses since 2003. She is a master Jungian coach with various certifications, and she's on a mission to guide other empathic spiritual entrepreneurs to run purposeful, profitable businesses aligned with their soul. I love that. Kavita, I want to give you a warm welcome to say yes to your soul. Yes. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I know. And, you know, these conversations, it can be so interesting. I know um, when I was doing podcasting before and a lot of podcasts I've listened to, they can be pretty prescribed, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We're not doing that here. This really is a conversation. So I'm going to invite you to go ahead and you and I talked a little bit about like one of the shares that you have for my listeners today. So I'm going to just invite you to go ahead and begin with that. And we're going to just take it from wherever spirit guides us. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So, so I really would like to to tell the story of what got me started on this path, right? And so it was 2011, Valentine's Day. And I had to go from where I was living at the time, I was living in Dallas to Laredo, Texas, where I was attending my first cousin's funeral. And he, you know, he, he knew that he didn't have that much time because he was diagnosed with an osteosarcoma when he was 18 and he was almost 31 at the time of his funeral. And so I remember going there and seeing so many people, over 400 people showed up at his funeral that I did not know who they were. And so since he was diagnosed, I found out that he had been doing all these things And I sat there thinking about my funeral and wondering, you know, is this the way I'm living my life right now? The way that I'm spending my time right now? Is that how I want to be remembered? You know, when I get to this point in my life and I mean, I had a really strong answer that came immediately and it it was no, 
I knew that something had to be different. I didn't know at the time what it was because if anybody looked at me externally, they thought that I had everything. You know, I had been married, I had two kids, I had a house, I had enough money for what I needed and more. And I had at that time, one of my, my businesses. And it was, there was just something that I knew that had to change. And I didn't. And and so that point sitting there, I still remember, I can picture it in my mind as we're, as I'm telling you the story right now, I even remember like how I was dressed and you know, that time was so vivid. And I'm sure a lot of us have those times where, you know, those turning points in our life, those kind of guiding situations, right? That we make a choice, those choice points. That was the big choice point for me that started me on this spiritual journey. So there you were, and you you had gone to celebrate the loss of this person who really, you know, this relative who meant something to you and he was so young. Mm-hmm. And you said you knew that there was a new something more that you needed to do or to be. What did that feel like in that moment? Well, I had been feeling this before that moment, just this kind of, I mean, you could describe it as a depression, right? And I didn't know why. And so in that moment, it was that that depression, the d- depressive feeling, right? Kind of, it was a little shift of like, it doesn't have to be this way. Mm. Yeah, that's really important. So you just kind of been in this state, this depressive state, sort of just going along. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my friends says, you know, your life didn't suck. But right, but you weren't vibrant. You were kind of in the uh, low energy zone, Mm -hmm. and there was an immediate uh, that moment, that aha moment, like, oh, it doesn't have to be like this. That's really beautiful. And so, Mm -hmm. what was one of the first things that you remember? um, What I would call leaning into. What what did you do next? So you know, came home and I started to, well, I mean, so it was 2011. So yes, we had the internet, but it's nothing like it today, right? Things have accelerated dramatically. So I started to look up things. I went on at that time forums, right? To look for support and went to buy the bookstore to look for books. I just started searching. I had to start looking. And and in that process, I went to uh, a networking event for my business at the time. And there was a coach there. She was a life coach and she was having a vision board workshop. And I had always wanted to do a vision board so that I just followed that. I followed it and I felt like a little excitement to attend the vision board workshop. And I went to the vision board workshop and that you know, that was like step-by-step. It's like, what is that next calling to me? The next calling was to go to the bookstore at that time, Barnes and Noble, right? And go look and see, I would just walk around and see where I was called. And, you know, I would just take a book off the shelf. And wait wait a second. So when you say, you know, you would see when you were called as you're like walking around is, are those kind of the thoughts you remember actually having at the time? Like, I'm just going to walk around and see what calls to me. Yeah. It was more like, now I can say that looking back, but it was like, I don't know what to do. Well, I just, you know what? I'm really feeling excited. It was almost like where I wanted to go next. 
exciting? What was like pulling and drawing me there? And I thought, well, I just feel like going to the bookstore, something about it. I don't know why, but I just want to go there. And then I'd say, well, I don't know what I want. So I'm just going to walk around. I love that. Mm -hmm. So you were really tuning in to your feelings and the feelings that you wanted to be having. And you you were noticing that you were feeling excited. And then you just kept following that lead. Yeah. And that's, that had been denied for so long because I spent most of my time taking care of other people, right? So I was taking care of my two boys. I was taking care of my husband, taking care of the household, making sure they were happy, making sure their needs were being met and beyond just their needs, right? Their wants, but then just kept pushing aside, you know, just putting aside my needs and, and like little things, right? It, it's, it happens so I'm trying to think of the word, but it's not like it's always so obvious, right? It's a little thing like you give in to one little thing and then another and another and then another and another. And then you look back and you're like, well, I don't even know what I like anymore. Mm. You know, then- I was just having a conversation with not long ago with Tazima Paris, who I know you know her. Mm-hmm. Um, and this came up it around the needs And so I'd love to highlight this again here, because I think it's an important piece that many women don't recognize that they've become, whether intentionally or unintentionally, they've become programmed to override their needs and to take care of other people's needs. Yes. And then the other factor, and I think it's really neat that you had you had a husband and you had two boys mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and they're wired differently. Yes. And when they have a need, it's like, I need it. I need it for sure. I need it now. It's urgent. It's unequivocal. Yeah. It, right. Like, but yeah. women for some reason is like, no, we're not supposed to say what our need is, or it's supposed to be mysterious, or we're supposed to be quiet. Good girls. Yeah. What was your story around that? Oh, well, my story has to do with my, you know, my culture, the, my family of origin, like a lot of us are conditioned, right. Based on that. And my parents are immigrants. So they have, you know, from India. And so there was a lot of that kind of patriarchal really culture where Mm -hmm. the needs of men were always put before the needs of women. And it was actually based on who made the money. And so it was like, well, the, the man is making the money. And so if he's doing that, then his needs are more important. And I didn't realize, of course, at the time, right? Like now looking and reflecting and working on some of that conditioning and doing the shadow work and realizing, wow, that's really belief that holds you back, right? This idea that the person that makes the money, their needs are important. And if you, what does that mean? That means that the person that makes more money, their needs are more important. Is that the determining factor of a person's worth? Mm. This is huge. And, you know, like you said, you learn this in your Indian culture, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's in so many cultures. Yes. Yes. Because we've been living in a patriarchal 
universe for a while now, you know, globally. I know very few people, very few women who were raised in an area where there were the matriarchy wrote the rules. Yes. Right. And they were the people in power. And I think we are coming into, you know, a rising up of feminine energy, certainly, and there's a greater balance now. And we need that stuff for our planet and for our sanity, uh, because enough is enough with some of what's been happening. We need that balance and the nurturing side of things. I'm curious how from there, you were able to continue to listen to yourself and your excitement because it, it seems like there would have been some pushback maybe from your family. Oh, yeah, I, w- I wish I could say, yes, from then on, I just continue to follow. <laughs> you, know, <what> I mean? <laughs> you know, no, no, I rarely hear. I, actually, I've never heard. Maybe you have of that journey being, you know, straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much. Yes. When you start asserting your needs, when you start following and anytime, let's just put it this way, we behave differently and the people are around us are used to us doing things a certain way and behaving a certain way. And then we do something different. It's uncomfortable for them. So they will respond in some way. Right. And it may not be in a way that's encouraging on your path. Right. Exactly. It's often like, uh, out of fear, yes. you know, their eyes will get big, right? And they're like, what? You did what? Exactly. How, are, how are you going to do that? Yeah. Uh-huh. That is so true. And it was that it's been that it's not been straightforward. So I started that journey. I was excited. I said, okay, I worked with the coach. And as I worked with that coach, um, she used NLP and mm-hmm. in that I was able to figure out, like I've had always had this need and desire to help others. And at that time I thought, well, and I've always been interested in psychology and spirituality and Carl Jung and dreams and regression. So all of that, since I would read books about that, all those things as a teenager, and then I pushed that aside. And so then she, she was able to kind of reignite that for me. And um, so I applied to graduate school to be a therapist and oh. I got in, I had to take the GRE again. And even through that process, there was pushback, right? So I had um, my in-laws live nearby. And then we had my sister-in-law come to visit. And while I was studying for the GRE, and I told uh, you know, my husband, I was like, I need to study in between taking care of the kids and doing this. I need to study. For, I haven't done a test like this in so many years, right? But they would come. He's like, well, I can't tell my parents that you're doing this because they didn't want me to work. Oh my goodness. Yeah. They were fine with my business as long as I did it during the hours of when the kids were in school. Right. So it was like a secret. Yeah. It was like a secret because they, he didn't want to tell them that I was going to do that. And Mm. I look back and I was like, wow, I should have fought harder, you know, but I just (laughs) left it. And so I, in between, I'm like studying for the GRE. And then I actually had to end up having foot surgery. I had an issue with uh, my foot. I had foot surgery and I'm, I have this boot and I'm studying for the GRE and all these things kept happening, right. To kind of, that I created. Now I know that I've created this because I was scared, right. Yeah. (laughs) That would stop me from moving forward. Okay. And so I just want, you know, as people are listening, just because those roadblocks happen, don't, doesn't mean that you're on the wrong path. 
It's not like, you know, I hear that all the time. Oh no. It's like, it doesn't mean you keep pushing either, but really it's time to reflect and say, well, is this fear creating this? Now I look back, I'm like, of course I was scared. My in-laws didn't even want to know that I was going to go to graduate school. So of course I was scared. Yes. You didn't want to be rejected or emotionally abandoned or criticized. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, none of us want to be kicked out of the tribe, right? Exactly. None of us want that. It's not safe. No. And not only that, we could get so, you know, theoretically kicked out of the tribe in some way and then shame added to it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. So there you were keeping a secret, mm-hmm. having to negotiate <laughs> with your own husband, who I, and you're still together, right? Yes, we yeah. were still together. We did, you know, we did uh, through this process. I will say we've done about five years of marriage counseling. Mm. Okay, because our I I basically said that I need this to be a partnership. In this so relationship. You, okay. Okay. Yeah. You totally changed the terms of the original agreement. With I him. did. Yes. <laughs> I did. Woohoo. Way to go, girl. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got married very young. My family, that was the goal of a woman is to get married well, mm. young and well, you know, to marry well. And I did everything they said. I followed the rules. Okay. Yes. And, but I was 24 when I got married. You know, and and now we know that our brain isn't really fully developed. Our frontal lobe is not fully developed at 24. Um, so it's like, it's the sense of who I was then and who I was, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I'm really not the same person anymore. Mm. Yes, you, you were still developing, coming into your own choices, your own personal power. Yes. And you were in a culture that is really steeped in that patriarchal energy and Mm -hmm. all the rules that come along with that. So how did you keep listening to your, you know, what I would call your, your soul messages? Yeah. So I would get off track and there would be points where I would say, you know what, I should just get a, a regular job or I should just, you know, do this. And I would do it for a little bit. It just was so, let me say it was more uncomfortable to stay there than it was to follow what I really wanted. Mm. So it has, it had to get to that point where the discomfort was more to stay the same, to continue down that path. So there was points where I would, you know, take a traditional job for a bit. And then not like it very much and have to stop. And, you know, so I started graduate school and then we moved to, from Texas to the Bay area. And so I didn't get to finish. And so that threw me off again. Oh my. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I came to the Bay area and then I didn't know what to do. So I thought at that point, I was like, oh, I guess that's kind of the universe telling me that I shouldn't be doing graduate school. Oh, this is, and this yeah. is the mistake that so many women make. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I thought, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a job because, well, what I did know about myself is that I'm not stay-at-home mom material. Right. So I did know that. <laughs> Thankfully you had that clarity. Yes. So I knew I needed 
to have an identity outside of being a mother and a wife. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know what that was going to be. The challenges I had were about this idea that I could do that as long as it didn't impact anyone in the house. Oh. I, yeah. What a big pressure that must Impossible, have been. right? Yeah, so yes. much pressure. So much pressure. And, it, you know, and, and some of it was uh, the conditioning from culture, but also my own experiences growing up, because even though it was a patriarchal household, my parents came, immigrated, and both of them were in business together. They still ha- are in business, have multiple businesses together. And so my mother was very much a part of the business. And she was actually always working, right? And so there was also that part, right? So I also have that layer of conditioning of like, I don't want to do that to my kids also. I want to be present. So I had the mother guilt and then I had the conditioning culture. So it's not really a recipe for me to create a supportive environment for myself. Yes, but you were really breaking ancestral karmas. Mm-hmm. Yes. You were putting some things to rest that needed to change. That needed to change. And I, throughout the whole time, I would seek support. And I, I can't even name all the people that have helped me. There's so many people. I, you know, I, I met someone that did body talk. So I did some body talk sessions and then through that person, you know, I met another coach. And so like every step of the way, when I was ready and open to receive support, the person would arrive. I just had to then take the step. Beautiful. So how did you get to, if you could somehow synthesize this, how do you think you got to that place of ready and open? Each time the pain, like I was kind of trying to explain, it's kind of hard to explain, but you know, that point if I go back to the original turning point of that, there's a, uh, like kind of that, it's almost like someone woke, shook me awake. It's like, look at the path you're going down. Is this where you want to go? Yeah. Right? Was it the, like the spirit of your cousin? going? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> it's either this. It, yeah, I think so. I think it was that his spirit. I think it was the, that, um, you know, my higher self somehow, showing me something and it would be so interesting. Sometimes it would be something someone said, or it would be a movie, right. Or a song. It's just, if you're, if you, when you're in that kind of paying attention mode or Mm, ready, it just, if you pay, if you're like, I wasn't ready to pay attention, but I was not feeling happy again. Right. I was not feeling content. I was not, I was, I knew there was something wrong. Yes. And you didn't want to go back to that. And I didn't want to go back to that. So I was like, I don't know what it is. And then something would happen and pay attention. I'm like, is that? And then I would question it. Sure. Sometimes question it. Sometimes say, is that really true? Right. Is that what I heard? <laughs> and, and then, you know, when I asked for a confirmation, I would get it. Oh, I love that. Tell us mm-hmm. what that would feel like or sound like inside yourself. So inside myself, I would ask, okay, if this is the right path for me, show me, give me a sign that this is the right path. Right. And sometimes I'd say, you know, show me something specific because I had learned, I'd listened to a training. They said, you need to ask for something specific, like a bird or a butterfly or something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would try that sometimes, or sometimes I would just say, I'm going to be open to the messages I receive in the next week. 
right? And I would say, mm. just make it clear so I can hear it, you know, that I'm listening. And so, yes, because, you know, it's, it's sort of like, because sometimes hawks just fly in the sky. Doesn't yes, mean, right, exactly. that they're a message for us. So we have to pay attention and mm. we have to keep a- asking. So you were really reflecting a lot. Mm-hmm. Reflecting, you know, I kept taking courses, uh, not just certifications, but courses that where I would receive support, you know, smaller courses on journaling. So, you know, it's just part of that, whatever was fun to me and exciting, just like I went into that vision board workshop because it was something I was interested in. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. And then I'd practice their journaling or listen to someone's training because I, f- I felt like something about them makes me feel safe, right? Who, you know, things like that just following, just going one step at a time. So that's just a really beautiful way that you were able to navigate things. You had, what I'm hearing is you had a pretty strong sense, like you really knew when you were excited or uh, interested in something, and then you knew enough to get out of your way and keep saying yes to it. Mm -hmm. And also getting the support and the guidance that you needed along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. The mentors that I've had working with coaches, working, you know, working with the body talk practitioner, all of that, all of those things, right. Mm -hmm. It's the support. I don't think we're meant to do this ourselves. Oh, totally. We are so not meant to do this by ourselves. You know, I sort of think of like, how many people in the world have ever become a monk? Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. a really, really tiny percentage. And there's a reason for it. And if they mm-hmm. became a monk, they're still with a bunch of other monks, most of them, right? They're in a community. They're That's in a true. community of monks. Yes. Yeah. Or nuns or whatever, whatever you want to call it, you know, sisterhoods. But almost no one is designed to go live on the top of the so-called mountain somewhere and have a fulfilled life. Mm -hmm. It's just not what we're here to do. That's so true. And I think that the isolation has become worse now after everything that's happened with the pandemic. And there's so, I just, I've been hearing so many people feeling lonely, you know, and even if they're surrounded by people, it's like that sense of loneliness, even when you're with the people. Ah, so there's like a disconnect, disconnect, yeah, with people even. So you can mm-hmm. be in the same space, but feel emotionally disconnected or isolated, or like one doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the stuff that went on in 2020 and 2021 that just amplified a lot of things that were probably already happening for people. I think there are very few people who actually experienced like isolation for the first time ever, but you're right. It amplified it. It set the stage for us not being able to get what we actually needed, Mm -hmm. which is connection, right? We need to know we're seen and heard and touched. Yeah. And that we matter. And even, you know, having little things like not being able to get the groceries that you want you know, yeah. like things that like could that. be really scary. Yeah. It's like, what's like, right? happening? Yeah. yeah. What's happening? You know, I, I'm making these choices to have healthy foods and now I can't even get them. They're not on the shelves. Now what? Now what? Yeah. Like, I don't know how to go out and use a bow and arrow and find 
you know, whatever I'm going to find out there. <laughs> yeah, neither and, do I. So. <laughs> and nor would I want to, right? Yes. Like I love the bunnies. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, we were forced to face a lot of things we never could have imagined we would face. And I, you know, of course, one of the funniest things is personal sanitation with the toilet paper flying. Oh off the my shelves, gosh. You know? Yeah. That will be forever it will. in our minds. Yes. It's, it's pretty funny. Um, mm. But it is amazing that that was something that people valued so much that they w- went crazy with it and stored just, you know, packages and packages upon packages of it for a, quite a long time. I mean, it took a while for the reserves to come back, right? I wonder if there might be still some people doing that. That's a side note, but <laughs> there might be still some people. I have no people. doubt. We have all kinds of people living <laughs> in, in this world. No doubt that that is happening somewhere. And it might be your Aunt Susie. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's see. Kavita, clearly we could go off onto a lot of different angles here, really looking at the shadow of people and all these things. And you're skilled, you know, you have that Jungian coaching background where you help people bring the shadow to the forefront. But what was one of those biggest turning points for you around your own shadow work? Okay. Yeah. So one of them was this, what I was starting to share about the realization that I had conditioning culturally about what was okay as a woman and as a mother. And then in addition, my own decisions and conditioning about because my mother wasn't as present and she was busy and I know she was just trying to make it right. And, and felt like it was important for her. It was more important for her to be at, at the businesses than it be at home. Yeah. And so this idea that, that I had made the decision that my business was not going to be the priority and almost made the decision that not almost it did make the decision without realizing. And this came through with, this is one of the main kind of things that came through with the union work was that I decided that I could only be somewhat successful because if I went beyond a certain point, that would mean that I wouldn't be a good mother. Mm. And that is probably never going to happen, right? If you hadn't faced that shadow, you would not have been able to reconcile those two things. Right. And that's so true. And I would not understand what would happen. You know, something would always happen with the children that they needed my attention. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yes. And just pulling you back, right? Because that was the one that you were really trained in and you knew, you know, your kids are still young. You do have to take care of them until they're a certain ability and age, right? But without embracing the work of looking at the, the conflict, the inherent conflict there, you would not have been able to become successful like you are today. That's right. Yes. It was so important to be able to see what's underneath, right? It wasn't, you know, there's so many people that they're like, I just need to know the next strategy or, you know, that's talking about more business stuff or they need to learn something externally. Yes. Or get that extra certification. Is the extra certification. Exactly. And it's always the inner stuff. It's always there first. (laughs) It is, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. 
All right. In a moment, I would love for you to share a tip or some kind of guidance for my audience. But before that, I have one more question for you. Sure. I want to know, how does listening to your soul help you today in your life? It just, my life feels when I am listening to my soul, because I still get off track. When I am on that path of listening to my soul, just everything is better. Everything just feels better. My relationships feel better. My business feels better. Um, my body feels better. I mean, everything. Hmm. And you know that you're connecting to your soul because you can feel it. Yes. Yeah. I really want to thank you for this level of sharing today. I really appreciate it. You're so deep, girl. I like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thank you. I love this. I love this. I, we could, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> Yay. All right. Well, we've got kind of, you know, we have a little framework here for our podcast. Okay. So we, we will now go to that tip or that guidance, right? My, my listeners are hanging on. They're like, well, I need that one thing. What's that yeah. one thing going to be? What would you say it is today, Kavita? The thing is when you're looking externally for something that you think you need to change, start inside first. And you can do that by, you know, one of the tools that I love is just free writing journaling. You know, one of the, you could do morning pages, which, you know, the Julia Cameron's morning pages and all that is, is really waking up in the morning and having a journal by your bed and actually just writing what's free writing, what's coming to your mind. What are those thoughts? Stream of consciousness. Stream of consciousness. Exactly. Do that first before you start making all the external changes. Mm, Nice. All right. Very, very simple. Just start free writing stream of consciousness every morning. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you. And so how can people get a hold of you? How can they connect with you, Kavita? Yeah, the easiest way is to go to my website, alignedandsoulful.com. And um, I have a, a gift. Do you want me to talk about that? I would love for you to talk about that. Okay, great. So I have a, a, a free gift. It's an Ignite Your Abundance Visualization and Exercise. And it goes beyond just money because abundance is abundance in all ways. And so, you know, a lot of people have this one part of their life that tends to be the challenge. And maybe right now it's one thing and then in a few years it's another thing. But to me, the abundance is more than everything in all ways. So if there's an area, when you do the visualization, you can focus on the one that's for you. Maybe it's relationships or maybe you're feeling like some loneliness and disconnection and you want to feel reconnection. So you can do the visualization with the idea of the area that you feel could use more abundance in your life. Hmm. Awesome. So you can personalize it yes, and bring abundance into the area of your life that you want it, mm-hmm. where you yes. want it. Fantastic. And that's, do they just go to Align and Soulful and you'll see it there? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then, yeah, it'll be there and I can, I'll send you the link as well. Yeah. I think you already did, link. which is oh, okay. perfect. And yes. we will put that in the show notes, but just, just for people listening, 
Yeah, um, yeah. You can yes. find all of that at Aligned and Soulful. And then um, is there anything else you want to add? No, just want to thank you so much for this conversation and for the opportunity to hopefully inspire someone to, to say yes to their soul, right? That's right. Yes. And I am pretty sure you've done that today. I really, really want to give you a warm appreciation, a big thank you and gratitude. I see the spirit in you, Kavita, and I'm so happy you and your spirit were here with us on Say Yes to Your Soul. Bye-bye for now, everybody. All right. If you're hearing this message, you have listened to our newest Say Yes to Your Soul episode all the way to the end. And for that, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I invite you to stay updated with me. And the best way to do that is to sign up for my free gift, Three Steps for How to Reignite Your Soul Fire. And you can get that at tessafreegift.com, tessafreegift.com, or just go to the podcast website, say yes to your soul podcast.com. And that's where we have all the episodes and more. I wish you an amazing day.